0: I had a good read of the book, really enjoyed it, and would recommend it to you. You've had a lot to take in tonight. If we want to know anything of the mind of Christ, we read another book. So we want to read together, first of all, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 11. I'm reading from the NIV. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person Is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I've chosen Philippians 2 for my other reading. And you know where we're going here, don't you? One of the most precious parts of the Holy Scriptures. New Testament. Philippians 2, I want to read from verse 3. Do not think out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If we want to know the mind of Christ we will need to know the mind or the thoughts of God and the mind of the spirit of God because they are one one mind so the apostle tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 that we've read no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God the things that come from the spirit of God are discerned only through the spirit so if we're going to understand anything of the mind of Christ or the mind of the Lord, we will learn it through the Spirit of God. It's the only way. And that's what we're under the influence of tonight. As we listen to the Word of God, the Spirit will give us an understanding of what we hear. (coughs) The Greek word for mind in 1 Corinthians 2 is nous. and in this passage it denotes counsels or purpose Romans 11 and 34 says who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counsellor the counsels of God and the purposes of God that's what that word mind means in that context as also used in Romans 12 and 2 do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. First Corinthians 1 and 10. That you be perfectly united in mind and thought. So this is the use of the word noose. And in Ephesians 4 and 23, the apostle says to us that we shall be made new in the attitude of your minds. So, you see what the word means here. It's a very distinct meaning. It's got to do with the counsels and the purpose of God. And in 1 Corinthians 2 and 16, it's used twice. First, of the mind of the Lord, the thoughts and counsels of God. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Vast mind of the Lord. All his counsels and all his purposes in the mind of the Lord. And no one has been his counsellor. But then it's used in this lovely sense by the apostle said, But we have the mind of Christ. And it's the same mind, and this is one of the evidences of the, the deity of the Lord Jesus. For the mind of Christ is the mind of God and the mind of the Lord. And we have this, Paul says. So to have the mind of Christ means we have a renewed mind. We have a Christian mind. We understand God's plan in the world is to bring glory to Himself. That's number one. All the purposes and counsels of God, the mind of the Lord, mean that He's bringing glory to Himself. Secondly, He's going to provide salvation for sinful humanity. And that's the glorious purpose of God. And we live in the reality of that today and he's going to restore creation to its original splendour that's what the mind of the Lord has and that's only summarising it so as new creatures in Christ we have a correct understanding we should have a correct understanding through the spirit of God of the things and the plans of God Indeed, in a sense, this is the Christian worldview. We could, exp- we could exp- explain it as that today. The Christian worldview. It's an expression that's used a lot. What's your worldview? It synchronizes with God's will. And it shows the plan and purposes and perspective of Christ. Because he's central to it. And he's the head of the body of Christ. The church of which we are members. Isn't that really quite significant tonight when we're thinking about the mind of Christ? He's the head. The mind. And we're the members. So we're part of this wonderful Christian perspective now. That we have through the Spirit. The context of 1 Corinthians 2, I'm only putting this up here just to summarise some of the things I'm saying. So rather than be an distraction to you, but you can have it afterwards if you want. But I'm trying to work my way through this because how can you develop a subject of the mind of Christ in 20 minutes? It's quite some task, isn't it? context of 1 Corinthians 2 teaches us a lot about the mind of Christ it's in sharp contrast to the wisdom of the world I'll take that one back sharp contrast to the wisdom of the world it's the wisdom of God once hidden but now revealed in Christ it's available to believers that's us Through the Spirit of God. It cannot be understood. Without the Spirit of God. So the unregenerate mind. Can't understand these things. It's impossible. They're revealed through the Spirit of God. And. That's a wonderful thing isn't it. To realise that tonight. That anything that we understand of this. Is because the Spirit of God is teaching us. Right now he's teaching us. And that's an ongoing. Development. And it gives us discernment in spiritual matters and I would suggest of course much more than spiritual matters because it gives us discernment in respect of how we live in this world. The decisions that we make. But we must come into this this mind of Christ in a continuous and ongoing renewal of our minds. This is not something that comes just once and that's it we're constantly daily we should be renewing our minds and developing our minds in the mind of Christ we need to be active in it we need to be disciplined in it we need to be persevering in it and we'll get to the point where we're delighting in it. What do we spend our time thinking about? What are our ambitions in life? What are we preoccupied with? What do we treasure most in our lives? Are we training our minds as to what we take in And what we think about is there a discipline in our lives? When we come to Philippians 2, the mind of Christ, the word mind is a different word from nous, it's the word flaneo. It means to think or to have a certain way in our mind. It implies a moral interest or reflection. So this is different. This is a different aspect of this word mind. Hence what the translators have used down the different translations. It starts off with the the mind and then had it attitude and then it has a mindset it's sort of a language that changed to suit the people who are reading it but it was, it's also used in Philippians 3 and 19 it's used quite often actually in the book of Philippians, I found this interesting, when Paul speaking of the enemies of the cross of Christ their mind is set on earthly things, you see this is where it's coming together tonight in terms of what we've been hearing there's an an earthly mindset which is really under the control of the evil one and is set against all that is of God. But this is a different mindset here. This is the mind of Christ. In Colossians 3 in verse 2 the apostle is encouraging the saints to set their minds or their affections on things above, not on earthly things. So this is what we should be preoccupying ourselves with. And this is what we should be using our minds with. (coughs) They're, They're being filled daily by different things that are of God and of Christ. Spiritual matters. So Paul says here, before he speaks about the Lord Jesus... And one of the most beautiful passages that speak of Christ coming into the world. I'm sure you've often used it. And you've often spoken of of the Lord to God about the Lord Jesus. and, And used these words. Beautiful words. But Paul says, what is it not? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Those two things are set against the mind of Christ. Those are worldly things. Those are the earthly things that we see in in our society. And we've always seen them in the earth. Selfish ambition, vain conceit. Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. That's what the mind of Christ is not. And then he goes on to describe the mindset (coughs) that he's encouraging us to have of the Lord Jesus. But it's primarily to do with our relationships to one another. This is in the context of, of this particular verse. It's teaching us how we are with one another. We have the mind of Christ and the mindset and the attitude. And if we have that in our relationships to one another it'll be seen by those in the world it'll be seen in our individual lives and it will be seen in our church lives if we're like this with one another the world will see it and in Christ we have a perfect example though on equality with God we've used the word equality tonight on equality with God he thought of not a thing to be held on to <laughs> what an amazing example of the mind of Christ he emptied himself as one of the versions says, another version says made himself of no reputation and as the NIV reads made himself nothing how can that be that's just in sharp contrast to what this world's like And what we are like without the Spirit of God within us. Not like the pattern of the world. Full of self, full of pride, full of ambition, full of greed, full of grasping after power. (laughs) Taking the very nature of a servant. We've been talking about slaves. Lord Jesus took the very nature of a servant who was in the very form of God he took the very nature of a servant the one who was equal to God and as such was served and worshipped by all of heaven he took the very nature of a servant and we'll come to that a bit later tonight Of a few moments he humbled himself humility Coming obedient even on to death. Not just any death. But as we've heard tonight. A death on the cross. And for that society. He was a nobody. A nothing. And they would have taken his body down. And it would have just decayed on the ground. If it hadn't been. For that. God had his man. In place to to clean that body and Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea saw to it that he he was buried. That's the perfect example of the attitude of mind that the apostle is encouraging us to have with one another and in this world. So how can we summarise it? It's up there on the screen. A selfless servant-centered, humble and obedient mind that's the mind we will share Jesus' perspective of humility and obedience and we will show compassion and we have many examples of that in, in, in the New Testament and prayerfully depends on God because we'll need that help from God Need to move on. <coughs> Christ went after the marginalised. He went after the poor, the sick, the outcasts, <coughs> the tax collectors and the sinners, the lepers, the blind, the deaf and the dumb those possessed by demons the paralysed the hungry the tax collectors that were nobodies and sinners he eats with tax collectors and sinners that was what they said of him so very different from those that lived in his society and that we've heard about all down the years. And I would just want to consider, just in closing tonight, <coughs> some of these examples that just appealed to me, that revealed to me again, in a powerful way, the mind of Christ and how we can learn from that. At as Well, The disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking to a woman. Why? It wasn't the fun thing to talk to a woman. And worse than that, this woman was a Samaritan. But the Lord Jesus spoke to her. He changed things in terms of equality and all sorts of things. And this is the Jesus revolution that we've been talking about tonight. And that conversation with that woman... He was able to open up that woman about the life that she was living. The number of husbands that she had. In such a a gracious way that he dealt with her. He reveals the mind of Christ. And we should be like this. As a result, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Because of the way he dealt with her, the gracious way, because of his words, many more became believers. Some say she was the first woman evangelist. (laughs) Let me come to the other story. Well, that was John four and John eight. John's gospel is just so full of these wonderful things that the Lord Jesus did that aren't in any of the other Gospels. The woman who was brought to him who had been caught in the very act of adultery. And you remember the story. You know the story well. He's, he's writing on the ground. The first of you who has no sin, you cast a stone. From the eldest to the youngest. they had to walk away. And he straightens up. And he speaks to that woman. Woman where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one sir. She said. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared. But he didn't stop there. Go now. And leave your life of sin. The mind of Christ. And though he's Lord and Master and we acknowledge that he shows us an example in John 13 one of the most precious things in the the life of the Lord Jesus this is before he, he goes to Calvary Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power These words are powerful. He knew it. All things under his power. And that he had come from God. And was returning to God. He knew it. And he knew that. Before he returned to God. He would go by the cross. So he got up. And he took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist that was the slave that was the servant you can hear Peter speaking about it in his epistle all of you clothe yourselves with humility I'm sure you could remember that happened that night he wrapped a towel around his waist and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him including Judas. Judas was still there. The one he would betray. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. In a wonderful microcosm, that's him coming from the glory. Humbling himself. And then he puts on his clothes again and he returns to the glory. When he has finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. I have set you an example, he says to the disciples, that you should do as I have done for you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It's a wonderful example of how we can show to one another the mind of Christ. Many ways in which we can do that. And his teaching. How radical was that? Matthew 5. And the subsequent chapters. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That would have been so different from what they would have thought on that day. Those who mourn. The meek. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The merciful. The The pure in heart. The peacemakers. Those who are persecuted and insulted. (coughs) And he says. Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. (laughs) That's the mind of Christ. These are the ones who are blessed. So I'm finished. There was one more slide. I'm sure it was there. What is it? Sorry. You can see that alright can you? Sorry about that. I'm kind of a bit confused at the end here. Again in Philippians two and it's at the end of this particular note this particular chapter that we've read from tonight. Paul now says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his purpose. So you see, there's an aspect of willing and training the mind into the mind of Christ so that we can act accordingly. There's the two sides to it it's one thing to have this in your head but it's another thing to put into practice isn't it in our lives and then he says do everything without grumbling or arguing we do a lot of grumbling don't we and often, often we argue about things too and it's a society in which there's so many grumblers and arguers so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. That's no different today, is it, than it was in that day when Paul was speaking? Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. May God bless us and help us to know something, something more, of the mind of Christ.